Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and happy Friday. It's September 23rd. At the risk of making a theme song get stuck in your head, it was on this date in 1962 when the Jetsons premiered. And let's see how you are on history. On this date in 1952, Senator Richard Nixon made a memorable speech. He salvaged his vice presidential nomination by appearing on TV to deny allegations of improper campaign fundraising. In that speech, he referred to a cocker spaniel his daughters received as a gift during the campaign. Do you know the name of that dog? I'll have the answer coming up. Let's hope for some happy news in your weekend forecast. We'll head over to the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center. Good morning, everyone. Meteorologist Chris Holtzman here. We're looking at a day with plenty of sunshine, cooler temperatures. That cold front is offshore. Low humidity temperatures in the upper 70s to right around 80 degrees. So there's your high temperature forecast for the day. We do have a high risk of rip currents up and down the South Carolina coast. Be aware of that. And that's due to Hurricane Fiona passing by several hundred miles to our east. Future Tracker verifies for the day, though. We're expecting plenty of sunshine. And look at these temperatures for tonight in the 50s. So much cooler. Our seven day forecast shows a beautiful weekend ahead. By the way, great weather this evening for football with those evening temperatures in the 60s. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast from the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Morning Y'all is sponsored by MUSC Health. Join a team that's changing what's possible. MUSC Health is hiring for all locations and various positions, including radiology, path and lab, maintenance, and a number of other professions. Find out more about the competitive pay rates and benefits or review a more comprehensive list of current openings at muschealth.org careers. MUSC Health, changing what's possible. And now let's get you caught up on your morning headlines. The Goose Creek Police Department is investigating a shooting at a fast food restaurant that left two people injured. It happened last night just before 10 p.m. on Highway 52 near Red Bank Road and St. James Avenue. It's also a few blocks away from Westview Elementary. Now, the Goose Creek Police Chief confirms two people were shot. There's no official word just yet on their conditions or what led to that shooting. Of course, we'll update you as we get more information. A substitute teacher is facing a public intoxication charge after being arrested at a Charleston County school. Mount Pleasant police say 56 year old Lori Mandarino was arrested around noon yesterday at James B. Edwards Elementary. The Charleston County School District says that Mandarino was caught before she had any interactions with students. According to CCSD, she will not be working again in any school in the district. Jail records show her bond was set at $262. Authorities have identified the man killed in a hit-and-run crash in Berkeley County. The Berkeley County Coroner's Office says 43-year-old Wyatt Dobbs of Somerville was the cyclist who died at the scene of the crash on Crowfoot Boulevard Wednesday night. The crash happened across from Stratford High School just before 11 p.m. Goose Creek police say a car hit Dobbs, then left that scene. A second car then hit him, killing him. That car stayed on scene until police arrived. We're learning new details about a Tuesday morning school bus crash that left seven hurt in North Charleston. Officials with the police department say the driver, whose name has not been released, has been cited for careless operation. An incident report states the bus driver was making a left turn from Luella Avenue onto East Montague Avenue when the driver's side back tire hit the center concrete median. 
Police say the driver was wearing their seatbelt, but the jolt threw the driver out of the seat and they couldn't keep control of the bus. The bus then ran off the road to the left, crossing the center median, hitting a high school student who was on the sidewalk on the opposite side of the street and then crashing into the neighbor store. The driver and four elementary school students were taken to the hospital, along with the student hit by the bus and another student on the sidewalk who was hit by debris. Police say none of the injuries were life-threatening and everyone is expected to be okay. A Dorchester County Council member will get to run again and in the election in November. The county's Board of Voter Registration and Elections says Harriet Holman's residency meets the criteria to represent District 1. This follows claims that she doesn't live in the district she represents. Live 5's Anna Harris attended the hearing in St. George last night and spoke with both parties to hear what they had to say. Harriet Holman's residency is no longer up for debate, according to Dorchester County officials. However, some people think otherwise. The Dorchester County Board of Elections discussed the validity of Councilwoman Harriet Holman's residence. Trav Robertson of the South Carolina Democratic Party presented 11 pieces of evidence citing two different addresses for Holman. Robertson says it appears Holman lives in Santee and not in St. George as listed on her campaign paperwork. Holman's representative Stephen Wright says the first address Robertson listed is from a home she lost in a fire in 2019. Wright says Holman did purchase a home in Santee since 2019, but also a home in District 1 in July adjacent from the original house that burned down. He says her new home is listed on her voter registration and driver's license. Let's be absolutely clear. This was all about politics for the Democrats. Uh, Ms. Holman's uh, residency has been the same since her house fire when she tragically lost her son in 2019. And it is only until she had the courage to leave the Democratic Party and is running this year as a Republican that Democrats want to make this an issue. Councilwoman Holman will be running against Democratic candidate Tim Lewis in District 1 for the November election. In St. George, Anna Harris, Live 5 News. It takes someone with a big heart to step in and care for a child if their parents can't. Yeah, the state agency that oversees South Carolina's foster system says in many cases the best person to do that is someone who's already in the child's life and who they already know. Now a new state law will better support those families who are stepping up and stepping in. Right now, about one in five foster children in the state of South Carolina's custody is living with a relative who's not their parents. This new state law aims to increase that number so more kids are living with a loved one they know if they can't be with their mom or dad. It expands the definition of kinship care, which is when a loved one cares for a child when their parent isn't able to do so. Those are people who aren't related by birth, marriage, or adoption to a child, but share a significant emotional relationship with them, like a family, friend, neighbor, or coach. This new law will help us, help us protect children, getting them to a safe environment, while lessening the trauma that comes with removing a child from the home. This new kinship care law is not the only one passed this year to strengthen South Carolina's foster system. Another new change now allows children in the state's custody to receive support and services until they're 21 instead of 18.
Governor Henry McMaster joined local officials as Berkeley Electric Cooperative hosted a grand opening of its new Monk's Corner headquarters. The new headquarters is more than 60,000 square feet located on U.S. 52 West. The ribbon-cutting ceremony yesterday also served as a dedication of the co-op's Veterans Monument. Berkeley Electric's president and CEO says the monument is a reflection of commitment to community as they provide their members with a way to honor local servicemen and women. The corporate facility houses about 195 of the co-op's 300 employees by combining four old facilities into one, including Berkeley's original offices that were built in 1940. Well, check this out. During the renovation project of the Albert Simon Center for the Arts at the College of Charleston this year, workers discovered a time capsule in one of the walls. Last night, the School of the Arts dean opened the box and found these items. A 1977 newspaper, a collection of Masonic texts, and a catalog from the college dating back to 1934. How cool, a little blast from the past. The Lowcountry Food Bank recognizes the month of September as Hunger Action Month. As part of an initiative with Food Lion, partnering agencies with Lowcountry Food Bank receive supplies and funds to further help neighbors in need. Our Lauren Quinlan joins us now with more on those initiatives that they have through the rest of the month and how you can help out. Good morning. Good morning. As part of an annual campaign with Food Lion, two partnering agencies with the Lowcountry Food Bank received pantry makeovers. The goal is to help improve operations and their capacity to donate food. Lowcountry Food Bank officials say during the month of September, Food Lion looks to deepen their existing partnership with Feeding America. Their goal is to bring awareness to the nationwide effort to help end hunger. Brenda Shaw with Lowcountry Food Bank says St. Delight Community Outreach and Churches Assisting People were the two partnering agencies that received the pantry makeover. Shaw says these makeovers will help create sustainability in operations and allow them to serve more people. A few of the additions include commercial refrigerators and additional food shelving. There were about 65 of the Food Lion team members there that were, did all the work. Um, it's a great way that they give back to the communities they serve every year during Hunger Action Month. Shaw says today the Lowcountry Food Bank is celebrating Hunger Action Day. They have an up to $50,000 matching gift challenge going on through the end of the month to celebrate. Officials say they always need volunteers to help pack food, especially with the rising cost of food due to inflation. So if you're interested in volunteering or donating, just click on this story on Live5News.com. Reporting live in North Charleston, Lauren Quinlan, Live5News. In 2014, Charleston County committed more than $108 million towards building new and renovating old libraries in the county. Years later, this commitment is continuing to come to fruition with the latest portion of the project focused on renovations. Over the next few weeks, three library branches will either be opening or closed for remodeling. Our Molly McBride joins us from one of the libraries that's finishing up construction now. So Molly, can you tell us about these improvements? I spoke to Tony Lombardozzi, the Charleston County Public Library's project manager, who says the county wants to focus on not only making improvements to the buildings themselves, but redesigning the libraries to stay up to date with the specific needs of the community. Lombardozzi says at the renovated facilities, visitors will still find a large physical collection of books and DVDs, but they will also find digital options. She says they focused on bringing technology into the libraries like laptop checkouts, ebooks, and digital access to newspapers and magazines. 
by reworking layouts at some of the branches. They've been able to create separate areas for young adults and children, meaning quiet during, during story times will no longer be an issue. She says these new designs create a more welcoming space for everyone and cater to the specific community that the library is located in. But those who love traditional books do not need to fear. Lombardozzi says they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And I'm one of those people. I love to have my book. I, whenever I travel, I take two or three with me. And people say Kindle is easier, but I like, you know, the actual pages. So um, there is still a huge demand for that. We don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. We just want to make sure that we're providing the collections that the communities um, are looking for. So far, money from the multi-million dollar referendum has built five new library branches. They're located in Mount Pleasant, Hollywood, West Ashley, North Charleston, and James Island. The Village Library in Mount Pleasant closes for renovation October 1st. The John Dart Library downtown closes October 15th. And the Dorchester Road Regional Library reopens October 3rd. For a more detailed schedule, visit live5news.com and click on the story. Reporting live in Charleston County, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Here's the answer to the question about the famous speech Richard Nixon gave 70 years ago today. He said his daughters received a Cocker Spaniel that they loved. He said, quote, I just want to say this right now, that regardless of what they say about it, we're going to keep it. The dog's name was Checkers, and the speech kept him on the ticket with Dwight Eisenhower. To this day, it's known as the Checkers speech. And turning to some birthdays, singer Bruce Springsteen, the boss, is 73. And Seinfeld's Jason Alexander is 63. Thanks for starting your morning with Live 5. We hope you have a great weekend. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you Monday. Thanks for listening to Morning, y'all. Produced every weekday morning and sponsored by MUSC Health. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen anytime at live5news.com slash podcasts. And download the free Live 5 News app for your mobile device for the latest local news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.